welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 2, one punch spiking minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli, and Nick is not here. This is a first for the show, uh, but Nick Jimenez uh, and presumably the news are on vacation in Mexico this week and uh, wasn't able to be a part of this recording. Uh, but lucky for us, we uh, not we don't just have one guest, but two uh, to, to hopefully fill in the gap left behind by Nick this week. Um, we have returning champion Paul Montgomery. Welcome back. Hello. And uh, first time in the show, David Campbell. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good. Great. Thanks for joining we're, us. We're time guys. crashers is what we're going to call it. We're time crashers. <laughs> Um, So today we are going back to minute 76, which begins with Marty following Biff into the Enchantment Under the Sea dance and ends with Marty lowering his binoculars in shock after looking at Biff's butt. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, there's, there's. This is a this is a, an interesting week because there is uh, not a lot of dialogue this week overall. Um, it's a lot of uh, it's it's stealth mission week on uh, Back to the Future Minute, and uh, so yeah, so we have we have Marty as soon as they walk into the dance, Marty is sort of over to the side, sort of taking cover and uh, using his binoculars to look in. And Biff seems to be looking for someone and I'm not, and he's really angry about them not being there waiting for him for some reason. Um, and I presume he's looking for his gang. Uh, and I guess he just expects them to just be standing there waiting for him. Um, he needs to have his entourage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess he wanted to make an entrance with them. I'm not sure, but, uh, well, maybe they were holding his copy of Ooh La La for him. I'm maybe that's um, very possible. You know, it's like, ah, oh, God, guys, you were supposed to pick that up for me. <laughs> Where are you, you know? guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, what's funny about he clearly can't wait, you know, right. to, to get into Ooh La La. Right, right, right. Well, the Ooh La La magazine, uh, obviously uh, not a real magazine. Uh, <laughs> however, the contents and the cover are both real. The uh, the contents are actually from a magazine called uh, Paris Sex Appeal, uh, and it's the the interior of the magazine is particularly from an issue of that magazine from December 1935. So it's already in 1955. The interior of that magazine is 20 years old <laughs> at that point. And, so that's uh, so that's maybe somebody's parents, like they found it under a mattress. Yeah, exactly. That is how you found porn in, in vin- vintage smut. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the cover is from a magazine called Swank, um, which was from 1955. Okay. Uh, okay. And the 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 model on the cover was uh, someone named Venetia Stevenson. Um. But uh, yeah, I I think it's interesting. I don't know that they they went out of their way to like just go find a real magazine to use <laughs> rather than just like throw some like prop photos and like, you know, those gibberish articles that you see. Like if you zoom into like a newspaper, 
uh, on TV. <laughs> which and you just... can't, which you can do nowadays with 4K. You can't, you can't get away with that on a red camera. I remember um, <laughs> they talk about that a lot on uh, commentaries and podcasts for Better Call Saul. That uh, whenever they show a newspaper, they actually have to write those articles up. Um, right. They used to like on Breaking Bad. Even they could get away with doing, you know, Latin you know, stuff in there and it's just, just junk text. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but now, and the kind of show that that is, they can't get away with. And, and I guess, that's funny. I guess when, you know, when they made this, they knew that, uh, you know, any, any decade now they're going to do a back to the future minute podcast <laughs> where they're going to break it down minute by minute and zero in on all of those props and details. So you know, they were, they were very forward. Guys, thinking. I choose to read this to a little differently than you. I choose okay. to believe that Biff speaks fluent French and he's reading this for the articles. I mean, you can't really tell from, I, I'm looking at this shot right now. It's like, you know, he's got, yes, he's got the beautiful lady on the left side, but clearly he's invested in the article on the right, the way he's angling it right for you to see in the camera. Right. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt here. You know? It's very... He's deeply engrossed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely... Biff's all about the articles, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 No question. Um, there is, um, in this sequence that, that we're going to talk about this week, the, this um, this whole stealth sequence, this Metal Gear uh, Marty sequence that we're going to enjoy. Um, there's, some, there's some really great uh, visual storytelling here, even though there isn't uh, dialogue. Yes. And also, um, I think the fact that it's set in the 50s kind of makes it okay that we actually have binocular view you yeah. know, to actually have that, that sort of framing around. Um, so I, th Mar I think that's a, that's a really interesting choice. And so to zero in on, you know, on, uh, on the magazine, on the almanac and stuff like that, you, you get away with that because it's, uh, it's, you know, fifties, it's very kind of screwball. Right. Marty's uh, magic, magic binoculars that when he looks through him, through them, he's able to see stock footage from the previous film. <laughs> it's but, but you know uh um well actually you you've said something that i want to come back to is the the because the, we're deep into the elements of the you know previous film which is kind of a fun a fun bit here mm -hmm. but um uh oh man i lost my train of thought now god i only got a minute of uh footage to go through here and i'm, I'm scrambling to uh <laughs> the almanac to, the magazine to, to organize my thoughts um, no, I, I, it, 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 Paul, you said something about the visual storytelling and I, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to t touch on that cause I, I, am actually really glad that we, that I'm involved in this, in these few minutes this week, uh, because, uh, what I do remember very vividly is, uh, I took a screenwriting class, you know, at a community college when I was, uh, you know, in the nineties. And, uh, uh, I remember having to do, uh, an exercise where you had to write a film scene with no dialogue. And, and, and I've, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have both done this at, at certain points, but that mm -hmm. was an incredible, the first time I did that was an incredibly insightful experience of visual storytelling of, of how to do, um, of how to do all that. And I think that plays out nicely in this sequence of, you know, how, being able to show someone's desires, but not have it be dialogue or be what they're saying, but to just have it, you know, um, uh, and it plays out, I think a little bit more in the next, uh, couple, uh, minutes, but, uh, but I love that here. And so I'm glad I got to be a part of this one. Desires is a good word for it because it's a, when you, when you get, get back to like the screenwriting one-on-one kind of thing, it's, it's always about like, what, what is the motivation? What does yeah, the character want? And what's the obstacle mm -hmm. in right, your way, exactly. you know? And in this case, he's chasing after that almanac, but, uh, you know, Biff's in the, you know, Biff's moving, doing his own thing. Um, and, and I love the fact that, that, that we're using the previous film 
as as this sort of set as this sort of obstacle course to bring Marty back through. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure you guys have talked about this already uh, in previous minutes, but you know, on here for my first time, I just want to say I think this this is there's something very fun about this sequence mm-hmm. about uh, uh, about seeing. Uh, uh, George on stage and and sort of re, you know going back to the familiar territory to us, but seeing it through this new lens, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what what's interesting too, something that I I noticed while um, watching it is like I I remember in the first film this sequence, I remember thinking, and I might have even brought it up on the show when we talked about it, um, but I remember thinking this gymnasium is far too large um, for, <laughs> for an actual high school uh, gymnasium. You know, usually the dances are very, it's very small and Hill Valley doesn't seem like a particularly big town. So it's, right. it was really odd to me how big and sweeping the gymnasium is. And then here, when they go back to shoot it again, it feels like a tiny high school gymnasium. <laughs> it really uh, does. Yeah. Which, which I think, I don't know if that's, it, I don't, I'm not, totally sure i tried to do a little bit of research but i couldn't figure it out exactly if this was a set rebuild from a location location shoot from the first one or if uh dean cundy was using a different lens here than he was in the uh in the original film i'm not sure what the difference here is but it definitely seems like a much smaller set then it yeah then it the, was, in, the instinct would be that they would would have used a location for the first one and then for this just because they only have you know a little bit of film real estate to spend time here um it's not going to be your highest priority so maybe just build a couple of walls and you know look at some of the production shots from the previous and just try to get to capture a little bit of it um so I, that would be my instinct but i have no idea yeah it just it seems like it's not that much bigger than sort of like two hallways stuck together. Like, <laughs> it's a very yeah. small gymnasium, which I just I love that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, as far as um, minute details, I wanted to bring up uh, early times um, or early times. Sorry, early times. I always think there's an extra E there that isn't really there. Um, but early times, uh, the whiskey that, uh, 3d is pouring into the punch bowl. Um, I thought it was sort of like one of those fake whiskey brands that is like on purpose supposed to look like Jack Daniels, but isn't like Jack Daniels, like the fake, like the fake, uh, like the fake Lee's Lay's potato chips that you'll see like on sitcoms and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always, I thought it was one of those, but then I looked it up and, and no, it's, it's actually made by the same company that makes Jack Daniels and Southern comfort Mm -hmm. and uh, Woodford reserve bourbon, Canadian mist, old Forester. Um, and it's actually uh, promoted outside of America as bourbon, even though it legally cannot call itself bourbon in America because um, it doesn't fulfill the uh, the requirements to be considered sure. bourbon. But um, but yeah, I just I thought that was I think that was interesting. But were you able to do any research on the type of punch they are spiking? Because that's relevant too. You know. Whiskey does doesn't go with any kind of punch, you know. I That's, I'd like to know. Personally. Yeah, they're not very they're not good at this. Um, and yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I'm not even sure why they're doing it because, as we'll see in in the minutes to follow, none of them actually drink the punch. 
they just <laughs> spike it for funsies and then walk away. Um, I, I mean, I guess, I guess the, the, the idea to prank other people there, like to get other people <laughs> drunk and see what happens. And then they're just going to drink that straight. Probably. I, I always yeah. thought, yeah, I always thought that that was the purpose of spiking the punch, uh, was to get everyone else drunk. And then, yeah, cause if you wanted to drink it, you just, you've got it already in your pocket. You don't need to pour it into anything. Yeah. I suppose. I guess they just want to yeah, watch and... the world burn. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, it, it's it, this this minute always because this is the this is also the retcon minute because this is the minute where we find out that the punch that George was having in the first film was actually uh, was actually spiked, which oh. which could explain how he has the the guts to uh, stand up to Biff. A um, little bit of liquid courage. A little bit of liquid courage. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this is a little bit of wow, a retcon. I hadn't thought about that before. That's funny. I had not Isn't thought about that, that as a retcon moment. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so very, uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have for this minute. You guys have anything else? Neither. Um, I'm I'm scrolling through it right now just to see if there's any other little details, but I really think you've captured it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I just I just love the detail. It's it just it reminds me of like a like a goofy cartoon or something where you have, you know, the almanac, you know, in the pocket, him him panning through with the binoculars. It's just like some classic, you know, filmmaking stuff and um that it's so tropey entirely works because it is like a th- it's it's a throwback. It's a it's a 50s thing. So it it can feel like a like a Jerry Lewis movie if you want it to. Right. And it can still <laughs> be true you know in tone with you know a a modern movie at at the time mm-hmm. so yeah we've talked a lot about how different tonally uh back to the future specifically back to the future part 2 is i mean presumably part 3 as well but obviously we haven't gotten there yet but mm-hmm. um how different it is tonally from the first film and we think that that's largely due to the fact that Zemeckis made well for two reasons one Zemeckis made Roger Rabbit um between Back to the Future and Back to the Future Two, so the sequels the tend, the, the yeah, the sequels <laughs> tend to be a little more cartoony, um, just just in general tonally, and then uh, also the sequels were only written by Bob Gale and not Zemeckis and Gale, um, and Gale, as we know, you know, he went on to be a, a pretty major comic book writer in the mid '90s. Um, all the way up to, I think his last comics were brand new day. I think he was part of that team. Um, well, and that was what, 10 years ago at this point. Oh, wow. I don't remember. I remember him doing daredevil. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely did. He did some daredevil. He did some no man's land, Batman. He was on that team. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I think he was, uh, I think he was, his last major comic book work, I believe, was Brand New Day. He was on he was on one of the revolving writers on that team. Um, I, I wonder if some of the cartoony quality that you guys are talking about too is is really even just built into the idea of having to of going and revisiting uh, you know the the same premise again. I mean, there is something sort of reductive about it, and yeah, I've watched these movies in their entirety in recent years, and I think the first one you know holds up. The best. I think there's a lot of fun in this one. Yeah. Um. But but 
there is something about this that you're you're going back to that well, like literally, you're going back to 1955, and, and it, there's there's something really fun about it. But the fun, I think, kind of comes from being able to be a little cartoony with it. Like mm-hmm. like I said earlier, like we have this set piece, but now we're going to sort of run you through it backwards. You know, we're going to run you through it from a different angle, and 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 so you're not going for the same kind of truth. I mean, you're not. The stakes are different, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so I think you've got in this specifically in this minute in these minutes that we're going to look at um you know it is that stealth what did you call it uh metal gear solid it is that sort of stealth mission marty and 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 yeah the stakes are different so it does kind of uh, work with the throwback elements i guess mm-hmm. i don't know no i agree no I, I i no i think you're i think you're right and i think it's it's about it's it's the fact that you're layering you know, so many different timelines on top of each other that the further you get, and then by the time you get to three and you've got, you know, a Western, like, it just gets more and more heightened. Whereas with, yeah. you know, there is the absurdity level of like, oh, man, the 50s were so weird. And like, you know, my mom is hitting on me and like all, like all the stuff that's that's going on with the first movie. But <laughs> there is there is a certain point where you start getting comfortable in the 50s and that becomes, you know, this is, this is the status quo. I'm in the 50s and you – and that becomes – um, immersive. Whereas with this, you do yeah. you have the distance of it being, you know, uh, I'm going back and revisiting this thing so I can correct this thing, and you know, and it's it's layered on top of each other, so the '50s feels more heightened than it was in the first one. That that is true. Yeah, you you had um, you know the, the the premise in the first one. Yeah, as you said, even though it's sort of absurd, it's still uh, I need to get back to the future. I mean that that is that is his one goal in here. You know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's this, this sort of, um, obstacles layered on top of that. Like, you know, um, I got to fix something first and then, and then make it all go back to where it was, mm-hmm. you know? And so that makes it just a little bit different. You know, I mean, ultimately this series boiled down to its, its minimum thing is, is about one guy's journey to just, he just wants to have sex with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that, this is, this is, this that's whole kind of series. all movies in a way, right? Yeah, yeah I know <laughs> this whole series is just about like, I just wanted to go out in my truck and I wanted to take the car out, you know? Right. And, yep. Yeah. And, and, and it's, this is what happens to him. And his way to improve that is to fix his father's life yeah. to give him better social standing so that he can have a nice truck and a hot girl. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so, so, so tell, uh, tell the, tell the people at home about, uh, fuzzy typewriter. Well, we actually, um, before this recording, uh, Dave and I were recording our first fuzzy typewriter in a while. Um, I don't know how long we've been off the air. We stopped it because, um, things just sort of gotten busy. Uh, I had started up with, uh, with panels and, uh, the O comics podcast and with iFanboy. I think, I think at the time I was doing iFanboy. So it was just, uh, something had to give, and I never wanted it to be completely done. So it, it just felt like a hiatus to me. I always knew we would come back to it, um, as as long as uh, Dave was was willing to do so. And uh, so, Fuzzy Typewriter is is back. Uh, this is like the third <laughs> incarnation of it, I think. Um, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. We're we're trying to play it a little more casual this time and it's just really a conversation about story storytellers art and artists uh we both uh, are story obsessed we watch a lot of television we watch a lot of movies read a lot of books and comics and we need an outlet to, to talk about those things we're the guys who after you go see the movie and you walk out from the theater and you get into the parking lot and you get in the car and you're driving home we're the ones who aren't willing to 
talk about something else. We want to still talk about the movie we just saw. Yeah. <laughs> um, we 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 want to analyze all that stuff and and talk about you know all the different things we learned from it and uh, the influences we saw in it. And so that's what Fuzzy Typewriter is. And uh, happy to be back with it. So this first one back, we're talking about uh, Stranger Things, the Netflix original. And uh, honestly, we're talking a lot about the uh, the eighties. <laughs> yeah, today. the eighties have come. Quite a bit, <laughs> and just in like nostalgia and uh, and things like that. So we would uh, mostly it's not really a plot breakdown. I, I noticed uh, in looking around iTunes that there actually are Stranger Things dedicated podcasts, which is awesome. Um, I love when people dig really deep into one thing, like like you guys are doing with Back to, uh, Back to the Future. Um, but uh, we, we did something that was a, it was a little, little broader, more about like what what is like why why is Stranger Things? You know, like. Uh, why do people tell these kind of stories and what attracts us to them? Um, why do people like nostalgia? Why do some other people sort of wish that nostalgia would go away? <laughs> and um, so just talking about sort of the the, the whys around it and uh, just our, our general take. So uh, yeah, I think Fuzzy Typewriter as a show is ultimately like our, you know, if you left the late show and you're going to go sit at a 24-hour co- diner with a cup of coffee, and you just want to keep talking about the yeah. movie that you just watched. That's kind of what Paul and I do. I mean, and that's why we had the hiatus because we both got really busy. This this is our show that is just our need to talk about sh- uh, talk about stuff. Sorry, I don't know if we can swear on this podcast <laughs> or not. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and we've been busy. We're, we're writing a comic book together called The Margins. Uh, it's going to be out in about a year, and so you know, we, we've certainly continued to talk and talk about story. But I'm so excited that we get to talk about you know just all the stuff we like on Fuzzy Typewriter again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, it's not just. I mean, D- Dave is Dave is my main co-host, but uh, we'll also be doing. Uh, we'll have other guests on and talk about all sorts of stuff. Uh, so absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely so open invitation for you, Scott. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm I'm definitely a big fan uh, of the of the podcast. I've been listening to it for years. My favorite things that you guys have ever done, I, I were um, your run throughs the uh, of the Alien, Rocky, and <laughs> uh, and Planet of the Apes franchises. Those were. Yes. Uh, th- those were phenomenal. Uh, I, I we have a lot of fun with those. Yeah. Yeah. Those were really good. So if you guys uh, ever want to check those out, I don't think they're in a podcast feed like on iTunes anymore, but you can still find them on your website, I think. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll try to, th- I've been thinking about that. I wanted to grab some of our sort of like best of stuff from the past runs and, and put them on the feed in some way, or, or at least, uh, database them somewhere because i still i still have a bunch of them in my hard drive so yeah uh so yeah so um hopefully we can add i definitely like to bring back things like the alien episodes the rocky episodes and planet of the apes because those were those were a lot of fun and, and to spend that much time on on a franchise and at and see as it you know and and, and for a few of those those like the, the like the rocky ones it was the first time i had I'd watched those movies right um, so I wasn't revisiting those. I was experiencing them for the first time. And, uh, and that was, that was a really great way to, to sort of document, uh, my feelings on those. Cause I now consider all of those movies, um, and all of those franchises, like favorite franchises. And, uh, it's, it's great. I loved when we, before, I think it was the alien three podcast where we read a bunch of the other scripts that yeah. were, yeah contenders for what the eventual movie yeah the wooden planet that was a lot of fun because i had not read that stuff before so it was not just revisiting these movies but finding some new material and what could have been um Mm -hmm. uh you know and and how it reflected in the final product that was a lot of fun yeah 
Yeah, no, the, it's, a, it's a great show, and I, I definitely recommend everybody to uh, check it out when it comes back. Uh, when is it coming back exactly? Uh, it should be uh, beginning of uh, August. I'll put uh, the Stranger Things episode out, um, and hopefully we can keep up with it pretty regularly. Um, it used to be very sporadic, but I'm going to try to have some more consistency with this. Nice. All right. Well, uh, you guys definitely should uh, check that check out their show and uh, – Paul and Dave will be back uh, for tomorrow's episode. Uh, in the meantime, you can go to our website, duelinggenre.com, where you can check out our other podcasts, like the Doctor's Companion, our Doctor Who podcast that we do, uh, that Nick and I do with Cassandra Fredrickson. Uh, we are in the middle of watching the second story of every Doctor, um, and then we'll be back to talk about the third story of every Doctor um, in that order, until uh, presumably until we all die. Um, that's I a fun know. idea. That's a, that's a good way to structure it. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. Um, as far as, uh, uh, getting like a nice, um, sort of a nice broad scope on the show. And it's really interesting finding the common threads between second episodes and third episodes yeah. and things, it's things that I've, I'd never realized before. And then watching it in this order, it's like, wow, they, they've really kind of got a, uh, a structure as far as, how things fall into place for each doctor. It's really interesting. Um, mm. But, uh, but yeah, so check that out. And then of course, geek by night, uh, Nick and I's original audio drama uh, is, is back with the second half of season one. Uh, so uh, I, there should be a new episode out on Wednesday, um, the second half of ghost story. Uh, so go uh, make sure that you're checking that out. And if you go to duelinggenre.com slash support, you can follow us on Patreon, uh, where one of the one of the many uh, additions that you get for being a Patreon supporter is uh, you get the Back to the Future Minute No Roads edition, which is our weekend edition of the podcast where we answer emails, um, watch and just generally consume things that are uh, Back to the Future related um, I think in our next episode, we're going to watch um, I Want to Hold Your Hand, the uh, the uh, film debut of uh, Robert Zemeckis. Um, so that should be that should be a lot of fun. And uh, and uh, yeah, go. So go check that out. And just a special shout out to our Patreon associate producers, David Jeffries and Leaper 182. And we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 77. Bye.